Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette, and this is your Locked On Canucks for Saturday, February 22nd, uh, the day that the Canucks get set to host the Boston Bruins at Rogers Arena, the final game of this five-game homestand, the final home game as well before the trade deadline, possibly you know, Troy Stetcher's final home game as a Canuck, perhaps. Maybe Adam Gaudet, these guys that are rumored to be on the chopping, or should I say shopping block this weekend. Uh, I don't know that we got any trades to uh, report on at the moment, though Mike Commodore did say, uh, pack your shit to Wayne Simmons earlier, that he's off to Vancouver. I think those are just predictions on Commodore's part. Uh, he did this last year as well, but, you know, fingers crossed. We'll see. Vancouver was out on Wayne Simmons because of salary cap reasons. One final great save from Roberto Luongo for fans who do not want the team to be spending assets on a winger like Simmons uh, heading into the deadline right now. Uh, but of course, that is what we will be talking about in the days to come. I'll be back tomorrow to tell you all about what happened in tonight's game and then Monday, we break down what went down at the trade deadline. But today, it's all about the game at hand. Of course, it's the Canucks and Bruins at Rogers Arena this evening. And joining me now to preview tonight's action is the host of Locked on Bruins. You can find his writing with uh, Daily Hive Offside, the sports vertical with Daily Hive, formerly of the score as well. Ian McLaren joins the show. Ian, uh, a pleasure uh, having you here. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Justin. I hope we can be a little bit more cordial to each other than our teams probably will be on the ice this evening, though I don't know. It's not necessarily... I mean, yes, there was that Matt Grizzlick hit on Elias Pettersson in the last time these two teams met, but the the, the rivalry here uh, is seems fairly one-sided. I was talking about this on the show the other day. I'm sure, you know, for the Boston Bruins who have been to two Stanley Cup finals since 2011 and really only see the Canucks once or twice a year, uh, the, the, this is a one-sided rivalry, is it not? Like, Vancouver fans are mentally stuck on that Cup final, but it's probably safe to say that Boston has uh, left us behind at this point. I mean, yeah, whenever the, these two teams play, it, it kind of brings back uh, good memories, I guess, from a Boston Bruins fan perspective. Uh, after the final there, there were a few games afterwards that were pretty memorable and some shenanigans between uh, Brad Merchand and uh, some of the other uh, Canucks at the time. But yeah, it, over the last few years, it's certainly cooled off a bit and doesn't quite have the same juice as it used to when, I mean, there's not that many Canucks left from from that 2011 team, so that obviously uh, takes a bit of the heat off as well, but it always brings back memories, especially when the Bruins go to Vancouver to play, and uh, yeah, we all know how, how that ended that year, and uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens uh, when they t- when they play again tonight. The Bruins looking to close out this Western Canadian road trip with a perfect three and zero record. So I'm sure they'll be uh, pretty excited to finish off this road trip and-, and wanting to do so on a positive note. There's no like excitement though. It's it, there's you know there's no extra buzz around the games when you come to face Vancouver at this point. I mean, as you mentioned, it's really just Chris Tanev and Alex Edler are like the only guys left yeah. off that team at this point. But it's still I know the fa- like in Vancouver 
the fans always go crazy for these Bruins games just because I guess, you know, we haven't really seen any playoff action in the last five years or so. And that's kind of where rivalries are born. We're, you know, latched on to these rivalries of the past. But I'm sure that, uh, you know, Boston has many, many new rivals since then. Yeah, I mean, they've been, like you said, they've been to the final twice. So Chicago, St. Louis kind of overtaking Vancouver a bit there at West. And then, uh, these matchups that the Bruins have had with the Maple Leafs of the last few years as well, that's kind of uh, eclipsed Canucks uh, in terms of Canadian rivalries. And, of course, Montreal will always always be the top Canadian rival for the Bruins. But, uh, yeah, not I don't think there's too much emotion stirred up uh, from a Boston perspective uh, in regards to Vancouver. It's kind of a... A long ago, kind of happy memory, especially the way the last two finals have worked out for the Bruins coming out on the losing end. Vancouver is the one that, that stands out as uh, kind of the happy memory for, for Boston. Well, Boston is still in the heads of the Canucks and Canucks fandom still to this day because, of course, you know, the, this Matt Grizzlick hit on Elias Pettersson that I mentioned earlier is the latest in a long line of uh, guys from opposition teams sort of taking liberties with uh, with our top guy here in Vancouver, which, of course, we don't like to see. But the issue is always that there's no pushback from the rest of the team, that nobody seems to respond when uh, hits like that go down. Of course, Vancouver earlier this week going out and acquiring Tyler Toffoli from the LA Kings and uh, I have a good feeling that there's a chance in this one tonight that Toffoli might you know mix it up with some Kings or some Bruins guys rather uh, especially perhaps Grizzlick if anything goes down there like this has been a a month-long narrative and storyline in Vancouver this hit I'm sure this is just you know a a regular Wednesday or you know there, there was nothing special about that hit or that game from the Boston side is that fair to say? I think so, yeah. I mean, the Bruins kind of went through a similar situation earlier this season where uh, Tuka Rask was bumped by uh, Emil Bemstrom from the the Blue Jackets, and there was a lot of talk after that one about a lack of pushback from a Bruins perspective. So I think, you know, the the team that suffers that kind of incident, uh, it's more talked about uh, on that side of things, I think, than from the, the perpetrator's point of view, I guess uh, you could say. So it hasn't really been much of a talking point for the Bruins um, in relation. I think Tyler Toffoli is probably more of a storyline, seeing as uh, Boston had been linked to him in trade uh, talks. And he's a guy that I had targeted early on the season as, as someone who the Bruins should go after. So, um, yeah, I think maybe – He'll want to make an impression with his new team against a, a team that had been hot uh, on his heels. And um, maybe the Bruins will want to kind of uh, step it up and show kind of what what he's missing out on, having not uh, been acquired by them. But, yeah, in terms of Pedersen, you know, I'm a fan of, of the, the kind of game that he plays. And it's never a good thing when, when star players are targeted like that. We've seen that. A little bit with David Pasternak this season where the opposition will really key on him and try to wear him down uh, um, with that physicality and take some liberties there. So I can certainly sympathize with that and hope that we don't see too much of that that overtly dirty stuff uh, in tonight's game for sure. 
Well, you mentioned uh, that Tyler Toffoli was a trade target of the Bruins that did not wind up happening. Let's talk about the trade that the Bruins actually did make yesterday, uh, sending David Backus a first-round pick and uh, one of your top prospects whose name escapes me off the top of my head right now, but a former recent second-round pick uh, to the Anaheim Ducks for Andre Kasha. A bit of a puzzling move to me, honestly, Ian, because, uh, you know, nothing against Kasha, but this seems more like a... Uh, off-season sort of salary clearing move unless this is just the precursor for Boston to you know take some more uh, swings as the deadline approaches on Monday uh, is the you know feeling in in around the Bruins that this is the first of many moves to come before the deadline or, or what are you expecting from the team over the next couple of uh, of days here um, I don't know if if many is, is in the plans, but I do think there are some pieces still uh, to be added to the puzzle for the Bruins. Uh, just the addition of Kasha uh, kind of puts the security of other forwards like Danton Heinen, uh, Anders Bjork, or Carson Kuhlman kind of up in question. So there's some speculation that one of those guys might be flipped um, prior to the deadline in order to add another forward. Um, there's a lot of talk about a reunion between the Bruins and Joe Thornton uh, at the moment. And um, I just read not even that long ago, an article from the athletics saying that, you know, Thornton himself admitted he's kind of tempted by the idea of joining with the contender. Uh, not that it's his last shot at it and that he feels that, uh, this is his last season, but just, you know, the way the season has gone in San Jose and just to finish off the season, uh, you know, more competitively for him. Um, Kyle Palmieri's name is out there as well as a guy that the Bruins uh, maybe covet. Um, the fact that they traded the first-round pick in the deal for uh, Kasha pretty much signals that they would be out on guys like uh, Chris Kreider, for the Rangers or Brandon Saad from the Blackhawks. Those were two names that were out there, but that would pretty much uh, command a first round pick in uh, return for those guys. So I think we'll certainly see some, uh, some more movement. Don Sweeney even admitted uh, in the press conference after uh, the Kasha trade that uh, he's not done, uh, that they're in it to, to win the season. And um, I'd be surprised if there weren't, additional moves to be made. Having said that, I am uh, pretty happy with the deal that they made. Um, the fact that they were able to dump Bacchus's contract uh, opens up some more financial flexibility, which they really need going into this offseason. And uh, Kasha, when uh, healthy, he's a very effective uh, second line or maybe even third line right winger. Uh, his underlying numbers are are uh, pretty staggering uh, when you take a look at them. And even though his actual goal production is down and he's battled some injuries, he's he's kind of a guy that um, I think will fit well in with this team. Uh, and the fact that he's under control for next season as well kind of um, made it uh, a good deal to make now so that they can get him for, for two playoff runs instead of uh, just the one if they were to have held off until the offseason to make this deal. 
It, it does, you know, probably uh, help things a little bit uh, when you're in first place, uh, when you're trading away your first round pick. Takes the sting off a little bit as far as dealing a pick away. But what was the reaction like from uh, Bruins fans yesterday when this deal went down? Because I, I'm sure that, you know, like you said, dealing that pick away takes you out of contention on some of the larger uh, trade targets that were out there that, you know, maybe Boston wouldn't have been able to get in on because of salary cap constraints anyways. But, uh, you know, I'm sure this is not on the level of, uh, you know, watching Toronto deal their first-round pick away just to shed Patrick Marlowe's salary entirely. Uh, You know, you are getting a useful player back here, but was there still kind of um, maybe a little bit of bitterness in having to uh, deal that pick away? Or, Ian, and I know you like puns, was that just the Kasha doing business? Oh, nice. Um, you know, in all honesty, I don't think there was too much um, pushback on that uh, from from the majority of the fan base or, or the the people that I follow on Twitter, anyways, and were able to talk to yesterday. I think a lot of people kind of expected Sweeney to have that first round pick in play. Um, the hope is that it will be, um, you know, a late first round pick. Uh, I kind of joked on Twitter that. The 31st pick used to be a second rounder, so uh, hopefully that's kind of what it ends up being. Um, it's all relative in that way. Um, that's the goal, obviously, but even still, um, yeah, I think the fact that they had to give up the first, uh, that they were able to dump back into his contract and get uh, a pretty, uh, you know, a, a pretty decent player in return, it's all uh, all nice there. You mentioned that the Marlowe deal and just having to give up a first just to get rid of that contract. Uh, the fact that they were able to uh, not only dump the contract, but get a, a guy like Kasha is, is uh, a nice piece of work, I think, from Sweeney. And, and overall, I think the reaction was pretty positive from Bruins fans. I saw some not really sure who, who Kasha was or complaining about giving up uh, the prospect and Axel Anderson, but uh, the Bruins were dealing out from a position of strength in terms of the defensive prospect, they have some others who uh, could easily uh, step in. And, um, yeah, I think overall it was it was a pretty positive uh, reaction from Bruins fans. Although I, I do think people are still expecting another a move or two to be made um, and that if this were the only trade, maybe people will have a less favorable reaction. But if they could uh, add some depth on defense and add another uh, – impact forward, I think uh, overall it will be seen as a successful bit of work uh, here for Don Sweeney. Uh, it's obviously natural to kind of push your chips in when you are the first place team in the entire league, which the Bruins are as we speak right now. But do you also feel like uh, perhaps Sweeney and, and the Bruins in general realize that they might be coming to the end of this kind of run of dominance? Which, I mean, let's be honest, Ian, the fact that this team is still one of the elite teams in the NHL, a, a full decade just about after they won that cup in Vancouver. Like, this doesn't happen. NHL teams are not supposed to be good for this long. Uh, does this sort of feel like, you know, maybe one of the uh, two or three, perhaps, last kicks at the can with this core? Um, I, th- I, w- I would say so, yeah. I mean, uh, Patrice Bergeron, he's getting up there, but he's been putting up his best offensive numbers over the last few seasons. Uh, Brad Marchand still relatively young. 
and Pashrak, we all know, is uh, kind of an emerging superstar. He's he's uh, just in his mid twenties now, so I think they can still get some mileage out of that line. Uh, where you'll see the turnover is, you know, I don't know how long Zdeno Chara's got left. Uh, this could be his last season. He's not signed for next year. Uh, I mentioned Tory Krug earlier. He's a guy that might uh, not be able to come back next season, as uh, you know, if he's if he's after that big. Uh, free agent contract, he, he's certainly a candidate to, to leave, and that would be a big hole to fill. Um, Charlie Coyle's under contract for some time now. Um, so I, I think they they still have maybe three, four, maybe five years left with the core group uh, of that top line. Uh, but after that, it gets a bit tricky to, to fill in those uh, complementary pieces. They've obviously had uh, the very – huge benefit of having their their best players take kind of team team friendly contracts that top line is one of the best in the NHL and they um you know are very uh team friendly deals uh so Don Sweeney's been able to really help that team uh buy into what they're what they're doing and um yeah like you said they've really been able to sustain the success. I think when you saw the dip is when they were able to get rid of uh, Peter Chiarelli. They they fired, um, you know, Claude Julian a few years ago, and Sweeney and Bruce Cassidy have stepped in and really been able to uh, rebuild this team on the fly and uh, just help that sustain success. So, um, yeah, I think it's been uh, really positive what they've been able to do here over the last few years for sure yeah they're really like a fascinating team to me if i can put my animosity uh lingering from 2011 aside and really examine what they've done here over the last several years because every time somebody wins or every time you know there's a a new champion it's all about trying to emulate what the uh last stanley cup winning team did right everybody's trying to look at the st louis model right now and yes the bruins didn't win the cup final last year but i don't know that there is a bruins model necessarily even if they had right like this is kind of a chaos team in some ways they have taken some big swings on trades over the last decade that like whiffed entirely i'm sure that like the the tyler sagan trade is a disaster and for some franchises that would be a crippling move but for the bruins it like it doesn't even matter because it feels like as long as you hit on a couple of you know big home runs in the draft and it's not even like boston has consistently drafted hit after hit after hit it's still it's like four or, or so big successes that can keep you afloat like over the course of an entire decade it kind of you know in Vancouver here we go crazy pulling our hair out over all of the you know little minutia and small mistakes and minor things that happen with this team as I'm sure any franchise follower does in any different city or whatever but you know you look at the Bruins and what they've been able to do and you look at the way that we pick apart all these minor moves here in yeah. Vancouver certainly and it just feels like nothing matters. As long as you succeed a couple times, it's enough to overcome all of your mistakes. I mean, yeah, you mentioned the, the second trade. There was the, the Kessel trade before that. Um, there was the infamous kind of whiffs at the 2015 uh, draft where they could have had, you know, Barzell, Connor, Killing, Shillington in there, but they ended up with DeBrusque, Sinishid, and, and Zboro. Um it's pretty amazing that they have been able to sustain that success despite those 
kind of gaffes in trades and uh, um, yeah, at the draft. But you know, they were able to hit huge with Pasternak late in the first round. Uh, Charlie McAvoy has developed into a uh, you know a top pairing defenseman pretty quickly here, and he was you know in the teens uh, where he was selected. So um, they have managed to find some. I wouldn't say diamonds in the rough, but they've managed to yeah hit big on on some first round picks, uh, some some later round picks as well, and they just seem to. I don't know. It, it just seems like they have developed a culture there where there's a a really huge buy-in uh, from anybody who comes in. They really uh, capitalize as well on like signing hometown kind of guys like Chris Wagner, bringing in Charlie Coyle. These are these are guys that grew up watching the Bruins and who, you know, were kind of fans of the team and it was always their dream to play for the Bruins. So you can't kind of discount that uh, maybe emotional bump from those guys as well. Um, and yeah, like I said, the fact that Sweeney has been able to get their star players to sign uh, for pretty much, you know, well below what they'd be worth on the open market, um, that is a huge testament to kind of, the culture they've developed there and the fact that uh, players just really seem to want to be there. And I'm hoping that that continues with, with Tory Krug and that he decides to uh, maybe take less than what he might get floated by, say, you know, Steve Eiserman and, and his hometown Michigan team and uh, that he decides to stay there as well. If, if that happens, then, uh, you know, Sweeney, you know, might have a statue built for him outside of, uh, <laughs> outside of the garden for sure. Well, you mentioned Tory Krug there, and it's funny because I, I talked about, of course, uh, earlier the Canucks going out and grabbing Tyler Toffoli exactly for situations like that Grizzly hit, so that there's some some pushback and some toughness if if uh, you know people want to to take hits on uh, on some of our smaller skilled guys uh, to protect them from, of course, the 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 fear of a team like the Big Bad Bruins. The Bruins are really not the Big Bad no. anymore. They are a small skilled team by and large but they don't really have that reputation. It seems like people are, are still thinking this team is what they were, say, five years ago or so, hey? Yeah, they definitely have uh, have shed that. I think to the consternation of, of some Bruins fans, well, old-school Bruins fans, they they still value that. And, and I know I've seen some people, you know, saying, oh, bring back bring back Lucic or <laughs> bring back uh, a Sean Thornton type, but that's, that's definitely not how they play anymore. They have... Uh, three very skilled lines and even the fourth line is very, um, you know, not, I wouldn't say offensively minded, but, uh, Sean Corrales, is a pretty skilled fourth line center and they're very aggressive on the four check. They're not really out there to, uh, to mix it up or, or, you know, pick fights or anything like that. Um, Bruce Cassidy has put together, a a really, yeah, a really talented, uh, lineup that the values speed that values skill, uh, you know, not not completely bought into that. Uh, maybe they still will, you know, put Chris Wagner out there and and uh, and guys who can hit and and fight and stuff like that. But uh, they're definitely more, uh, you know, more Maple Leafs esque than uh, you know the Broad Street Bullies of of the '70s. I'd say, um, and I, I love it personally. I love that. That they're trending more that way. I love that they're valuing that that speed and that skill, and it makes for uh, much 
more uh, entertaining product on the ice for sure, especially when they're winning as they have been uh, in recent years. Yeah, like St. Louis was was really like the Bruins-style team of that Stanley Cup matchup as we yeah, think of yeah, the Bruins. Sure. But uh, let's wrap it up, Ian, by uh, talking about tonight's game real quick because this is, uh, I believe, the third game in four nights for Boston, if I'm not mistaken, on this right, yeah. Western Canada swing. Uh, safe to expect perhaps a little, a little bit of a dip from the Bruins this evening just due to that kind of travel fatigue? Or is the baseline performance of this Boston team right now now so good that uh you know there there really are no trap games for these guys that they just come to play and still bring it uh you know they're they're maybe you know 60 percent effort is still better than some teams 90 percent effort so to speak uh yeah i mean fatigue should probably play a bit of a factor uh, uh against the flames uh last night it looked like they were gonna have that kind of uh trap game or, or dip but they went down 3-1 pretty early, but we're able to come back and, and uh, steal the win from the Flames there. Um, they do have the benefit of having two uh, very good goaltenders. So uh, Halak played last night, and they're able to play Rask tonight on the, on the tail end of the back-to-back, which is a, a pretty big luxury in the NHL today. Uh, so that hopefully will maybe uh, help offset any fatigue or, or anything like that uh, in the Bruins if, if – uh, Rask can keep them in early on and maybe withstand a, a barrage from the Canucks um, and the guys can get their legs. And uh, I, I think they should be able to withstand any uh, early pressure from the Canucks and make a, a game out of it. But, I mean, you never know in today's NHL. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to the game. Uh, the Canucks, despite, you know, the rivalry, the Canucks are one of my – favorite teams to watch they they are very entertaining and uh i think it should be uh less of a rough and tumble affair as we used to see between these two teams and more of a maybe more of a, a race to to the finish line and i think we should see some some pretty entertaining hockey tonight well, we shall see. I'm looking forward to it personally. I will say uh, Vancouver has not really shown much spirit on this five-game homestand thus far. Some pretty uninspiring efforts along the way here. They did uh, lose one the other night in the shootout to Minnesota that they probably deserve to win, but I'm really, really hoping that a game against Boston will we'll get them charged up and ready to go because um, I know we said that this is not much of a rivalry anymore, but there still is just something extra yeah. entertaining about the games between these two teams, even if yeah. uh, it's not what it used to be. All it will take is one uh, Brad Marchand ring finger kiss, and then uh, all hell could break loose for sure. <laughs> well, Ian, uh, thank you so much for joining me, man. I appreciate you doing this. Enjoy the yeah, game Yeah, no tonight. problem. Yeah, thanks for having me on. There is Ian McLaren of Locked On Bruins and Daily Hive Sports, uh, or DH Offside, I should say. You can find his writing over there. You can find his writing in a number of different places, but you can always find him talking about his beloved Boston Bruins on Locked on Bruins, part of, of course, our Locked on Podcast Network. If you are so inclined and want to do me a solid before tonight's game, you can head on over to the Apple Store or wherever you happen to get this podcast from. Leave me a rating and a review. I always appreciate when people do that. You can do it anywhere but Spotify. That's the only place that does not allow you to uh, leave a rating for whatever reason, but I, I greatly appreciate it. That's all I ask for you know all of the content that I give you on a 
semi-regular basis, I like to think. Of course, as I mentioned off the hop, I'll be back tomorrow morning with a breakdown of tonight's game against Boston and uh, maybe a little preview of what we can expect from the trade deadline as well as more and more rumors circulate as we get ever closer to the deadline itself. And then Monday, breaking down everything that happened at the deadline if the Canucks do, in fact, make any more additional moves, which I believe they do want to do. But, um, you know, some elements of the fan base not so sold on those plans until tomorrow when we do this all over again i have been and will continue to be justin morissette and you've been locked in on locked on canucks part of the locked on podcast network